Adoption Now, telling your adoption story, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now, here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. I am an adoptive mother of four. My husband and I have said yes to seven placements and had our share of heartbreak and loss. We learned a lot about the adoption process, and so we started Adoption Now to start talking about real issues and tell real stories of the joy and challenges that adoption brings. In our podcast, we talk about all aspects of adoption and foster care. We talk to adoptees, birth parents, and adoptive or foster parents. You can find those episodes at adoption-now.com or on iTunes under Adoption Now. Thank you for tuning in. We love our listeners, and I love your feedback. You can always email me at april at adoption-now.com. Our listeners are very interactive. You give show ideas. You apply to tell your adoption stories. Don't stop. We appreciate you getting involved. So today our topic is foster care, and our guest is Heather Clark, who has fostered 22 kids She is now the leader of a foster and adoption family group at Cherry Hills Community Church here in Denver. Heather, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I am so excited about meeting you. I feel like I've known you forever. I know. We just talked and talked the first time we met. It was like three hours went by and we're like, oh my gosh, we should um, go back to our children and and get on (laughs) with our lives. That's right. But it does feel like we have been friends a long time and I think you and I are on the same page when it comes to foster care and adoption and helping families get connected with each other. Let's just start with your journey today. You have two daughters, but your life changed dramatically with your second daughter, correct? Yes. So my daughter Tess was born in 1999 and immediately went into Children's Hospital and became what I call a frequent flyer there. Uh, She has a genetic syndrome And actually, it's uh, something they haven't seen before, so it doesn't really have a name. We jokingly call it Tess Clark Syndrome. (laughs) And um, so we were in the hospital a lot with her. And um, that's kind of where God actually started putting foster care on my heart, because there were kids that she shared rooms with sometimes whose parents just weren't around because they just couldn't cope with the child's medical issues. So what did you go through? What did she actually have as far as what were her symptoms? Yeah, so she had trouble eating and breathing. She had a tracheotomy for four years to breathe. She had, um, she was hearing impaired, so she has hearing aids. She has a shunt in her brain for hydrocephalus. Her skull wasn't formed correctly, so we had to take it apart and put it back together as her brain grew. Um, Yeah, her bowels were malrotated. And then on top of treating all of those things, she often had pneumonias and she had RSV and um, just all those complications as well. Did you ever think you would lose her? Yes. Um, Twice she crashed in the ICU and uh, I'll, I'll never forget those days as long as I live. Um, she did pull through. They did resuscitate her and put her on life support, and she came through each time. But, um, yeah, there were times where I started to wonder if she was going to be a much shorter chapter in our life than I wanted. How many surgeries? 
She has that. Well, we lose count, so we kind of argue about it. But mm-hmm. we're in the fifty range, around fifty-five. Fifty-five surgeries. Fifty-five surgeries. How old is she now? She is nineteen. And what's crazy is God just did a miracle through her. She is functioning really well. She is actually in college in California on her own, taking care of her own medical issues. Yes. So God just really showed us his glory in her. How did that change you as a mom? I mean, I went through one surgery and it was... um, tubes in the ear yeah and it was so <laughs> traumatic t- yes. <laughs> yeah. and that's so simple but you went mm-hmm. through 55 surgeries how does that change a person it was one of the best things that ever happened to me um as usual god refines us by fire right and um it just kind of absolutely broke down all my ideas i had about how life was supposed to be and the things that i was praying for you know, I was praying for, oh, that things would go well and that my kids would be healthy. And and those are all things we want, of course. But God started to show me how to pray for deeper, longer lasting things, things in his will, you know, like when we were in the hospital, praying that we would be a blessing back to the nurses and doctors, you know, praying that Mm. um, we could connect with other parents at the hospital and, you know, show the love of Jesus and give encouragement and um, it started to turn my eyes away from myself. That's the end result, isn't it? Uh, is always you start to realize this is not about me. This is about serving God and, and serving God through my children yes. and what God has given you. Were you ever mad at God? Yes, very mad. I remember once someone said we were at church, I was dropping off my older daughter at preschool and they said, Oh, do you want to go in the sanctuary and I can pray for you? And I said, no, I'm not talking to him right now. (laughs) And looking back, you know, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed that that's where I was, that instead of there were times where I wanted to ignore him instead of falling on him. I mean, it didn't always look like, you know, this pretty journey of growing faith. It looked like a really immature believer. And that's what Mm -hmm. I was, you know? It's so true. That is so good because I I look back at my adoption journey and all the things that we've gone through and the losses that we have experienced. And in the time I'm like, no, this person is getting easy adoptions. Why can't I? And you start to argue with God. Why aren't you giving me this? And then I realized the person that I became through all that is a much deeper, um, mature and, and, and just a, I don't know. The the inside of what's happening through it all is is actually really beautiful. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, um, somebody I work with at church has been teaching me that if you really believe who God is, if you believe he is good, then you know that anything you're going through is going to work out for good. That doesn't mean there won't be pain, Mm -hmm. but... I guess it just increased your trust in him that you are a good father. You are a good father. And this is going to be to your glory, even though it's not how I would write it. Right. And even though you're tired or, you know, (laughs) you're in the hospital and you could be doing other things. You could be going on vacations and here you are day in and day out um, doing things that are really challenging. And sometimes we can feel sorry for ourselves. And oh yes, and I did. I yeah. did. I mean, it 
It looked ugly. I'm just going to be honest. I mean, it, you know, grief, I always say to me, a lot of times looks like mental illness, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But again, God was just breaking down, breaking down um, a lot of pride, you know, breaking down um, this Mm -hmm. expectation I had of him to do things the way I wanted them done. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, if he really loved me, it would just be blessing after blessing um, and Ooh, that yeah. is, that is so not true. Right? right. That's what we think though, from glory to glory, blessing to blessing. If mm-hmm. God loves you, he will give you things. And often that comes from our earthly parents that reward for good behavior or reward mm-hmm. for, um, show, you know, they show love through rewards and God doesn't function like that. No, he doesn't. And the funny part is looking back though. He was giving me blessing after blessing, right? right. right? But it wasn't the way I defined blessing because I remember when my daughter was about seven or eight years old, she said to me, "Um, hey, mom, when you were pregnant with me, did you want a boy or a girl? You know, and I had this moment of like, oh, this is big. This Mm -hmm. is a big moment. And I just kind of went with what the Holy Spirit, I think, was telling me. And I said, you know, look me in the eye. I said, "Um, I actually wanted a boy because we had a girl and I'm going to be honest with you. We prayed for a healthy child. I think every parent does. And the way I feel is that I prayed for a skateboard and I got a jet plane. I wouldn't trade you for 10 healthy baby boys. And the best part of that all is I'm a hundred percent honest in saying that, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't think like, this is what she needs to hear. That is what God, that is what God did Mm -hmm. in my heart. I feel that way too. You know, looking back at the loss, the biggest loss we had was bringing a little boy home and not finalizing on him. And at the time I'm like, no, this can't be happening. And other people were saying, no, this can't be happening. Mm -hmm. You know, and you, you get all these different opinions. And now I look back and I think, I got to be a part of his life for a very short moment Mm -hmm. and God chose me to go through that heartbreak. It changed me, blessed me, but also I'm now a part of his life and a part of his journey. And so it really does work out. And then we went on to adopt two more children that we would not have been able to adopt. Right. And you can't imagine your life without. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you can look back and I think encouraging people in the moment where they're feeling like this is not fair or why do I have to go through this? I think really encouraging our listeners to say at the end of it, something great is going to happen and it might not be what you think would be great, but trust us. It will be amazing what's going to happen in the inside of you and what God is actually doing all around you. And I pray for you to accept his will and accept what he has. And your daughter is doing great, which is so amazing and so awesome, but really led you into maybe we should do foster care. Right. Exactly. Um, one of the first times she was ever in the hospital, she had a little precious roommate, baby girl who had hydrocephalus and her parents just could not cope. So she was not visited really. And that was the first tiny little plant in my head looking back. And you were thinking, why don't we do Mm. foster care after we get through this? Yes. And then, you know, like our respiratory therapist at the hospital, a single gentleman had adopted a precious little girl with a trach because the parents just couldn't deal with it. And he was raising her. And so I could look back now and see the seeds that God was planting. And, you know, we were learning so much about how to care for medically 
fragile children. Um, and that I kept thinking, this isn't just for her. I feel mm. like this is going to be for somebody else. We have to take a break. You're listening to Adoption Now. We'll be right back. FM, The Word. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband. Adoption Now is a nonprofit helping families connect to adoption through storytelling. Thank you so much for your support in 2017. Do you have an adoption story you would like to share? We invite you to be a part of the Adoption Now community by telling your story on our show. Come tell us about the joy and challenges you have experienced in the adoption process. By sharing what you have learned, we can inspire others. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. And remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today, we're talking to Heather Clark. She leads a foster and adoption family group at Cherry Hills Community Church here in Denver. She has been talking about her story, how her oldest daughter was born healthy. The second daughter um, had a medical illness that people could not explain or understand, but she went through 55 surgeries. She is now 19 and in college and doing awesome. But how much that changed you, Heather? You've been talking about... You all of a sudden started thinking, I think we should do foster care. Now, was your husband on board? Well, I was starting to think about it. And then this is pretty funny because what really put it on the table in our house is our daughter, who was nine at the time, our oldest daughter, recorded a special on TV about foster care. Mm-hmm. And that said, was me. I'm your oldest daughter. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. And so she said, you know, we should do foster care. And I said, we're not doing foster care. She goes, why? I said, because it's hard. <laughs> and we've just been through all of this. Right, right. We're tired. Right. But again, you know, I'm starting to mull it over in my mind and I bring it up to my husband and he's open to it. And we start thinking, you know, wow, we have this extra bedroom in our house and we always thought it was for a third child of ours. But maybe God has that bedroom set up there for foster kids. So we just kind of started embracing the idea as a family. And how long before you brought your first foster child home? Yeah, it took about nine months to get licensed and go through the whole process. And um, our first foster child came, a precious little three-year-old girl. How long did you have her? We had her for about five months. And it was uh, beautiful to see her be transitioned to an adoptive home, to a single mom who had always wanted kids and had prayed and prayed for kids. And um, so they were matched together and we slowly transitioned her to this woman's home and it turned out beautifully. So the whole time you had 22 children all. How long was that? We did foster care over seven years. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Seven years. I always say I, we had seven placements. I can't imagine 22 placements. Yes. Some of them were short mm-hmm. because we did something called cradle care where you take newborns home mm-hmm. from the hospital, right? For um, moms who have decided not to parent and that way, you know, they can get a adoptive family matched up with. So some of them were short term, like the, the newborns or whatnot. But then, you know, we went all the way up to our longest we had was, um, a cute little boy for about nine months. Okay. When people come to you and say, I want to get started in this journey. What is, what is some advice you give them? Yes. Well, it's funny because I want to be honest, but I don't want to scare people off. Yes. We always say that yes. it's a fine line between education yes. and really encouraging people to go forward. Exactly. And 
I think people have a false impression of what it's like, or at least I did. Going into it, I think you have to realize that every single child in foster care has special needs. Just by virtue of the fact that they have been removed from their home means that they're dealing with developmental issues because abuse and neglect impact their brain development so much, emotional issues. And it's funny because I thought God was going to use Tess's background, my daughter, of being medically fragile, but actually it was more along the lines of a different type of special needs that we ended up, you know, seeing a lot oh, of. So with you our didn't kids. get medically no. fragile foster children. Is that hilarious? We didn't get any medically um, <laughs> fragile foster kids. I guess God was like, that's just how I'm going to get you in it. Right. But I feel like I understood the concept of kids with special needs really well from having experience with my daughter. What's some other advice? Mm. you have to educate yourself. I always tell people this, you need to go and read about how abuse and neglect impact a developing brain. It changes their brains. Literally, you can, you can look at MRIs and see that their brains are different. And you have to understand that because your traditional parenting techniques that works great with your biological kids, maybe are not going to work with your foster kids. Foster care and adoption are two different things. And I like to tell families that because you really have to understand in foster care, you're going to serve the child and also the birth family. You are serving in adoption as well, but with private infant adoption or private adoption, you're paying a lot of money to an agency. You're probably looking at about 25 to $30,000 and you are going in with the intent to adopt. With foster care, and especially here in Colorado, you are going in with the intent of reunification. Right. I want to say that because people get very confused and brokenhearted when they don't understand those two things. Yes, on one end, it's very expensive. But on the other end, you know, when you're doing private infant adoption, but on the other side of foster care, it could mean you could have a child that is going to go back to a home that you may not even agree with. Correct. And most of my kids did go back to their birth homes. And that is the first goal, like you were mentioning, of the state. In Colorado, reunification with the biological parent is the goal of the state when they remove the child. You know, then the issue becomes, okay, mom, dad, what do you need to do to be healthy to parent this child? And in talking about the birth parent, I'd like to say that one of my biggest lessons doing foster care was that you have to have a heart mm -hmm. and realize that you are going to be ministering to that birth parent. They are ashamed. They're embarrassed. I mean, can you imagine the state has told them, oh, this woman over here, Heather Clark, who you've never met, uh, can do a better job with your child right now than you can. Mm -hmm. And and the worst part is they may know it's true that they're not a good home for their child right now. And so you've got to dig deep and have compassion for them and show them love because everywhere else they're getting a lot of condemnation. Tell us the story about the little girl who came to you and the other foster family did not like the birth parent, but tell us what you did. Yes. And the funny part is this was actually our first foster child. Uh, the way she came to us was we were watching her for a week while the foster family went on vacation. That's called respite care. And um, the foster mom told me when I, you know, I was going to take the little girl for a visit with her mom because kids in foster care get weekly or even twice a week visits with their biological parents to keep that bond going. And so she, I said, oh, what's the mom like? And I'll never forget what she said. She said, well, I don't have much use for her. And uh, right there, it struck me like, oh, I cannot go meet this woman with that attitude. Mm -hmm. And so I took her down to the Department of Human Services for her visit and in walks her mom. And she's a teenager. 
she had her when she was 14. So the mom was only 17 years old. I mean, my first thought was, you need to come home with me too. You need foster care. And um, what I realized was she was just on guard, this mom. And when I started complimenting her daughter, telling her, oh, I have enjoyed having your daughter so much. She's so beautiful. Um, And just giving her some confidence, I guess, or positive, you know, talk about her child helped her to then kind of open up to me. And then what did you say to the daughter on the way home? On the way home, I said to the little three-year-old, I really liked meeting your mommy. She's so nice. And I remember looking in the rear of your mirror and I could just see her looking out the window with this big smile. And it occurred to me, has she ever heard that? Has anyone ever said anything positive to her about her mom? And right there, I knew God was telling me, this is how you need to serve these families when they come to you. You need to build those parents up and especially to their kids. Well, I'm crying because it is, it's a hard thing to embrace the brokenness of the situation. Mm -hmm. And if parents are not adoptive parents or foster parents are not trained properly in a way of servanthood and um, understanding that they may grow their family or they may not grow their family, their own personal family, but they are there to love and to serve the birth family. Yes. That is, is big and it's hard. And when you can do it and you can change lives like you are talking about and that daughter hearing you compliment her mom, no matter what kids love their moms. Oh, and they do. That's what people don't understand. These kids love their parents. Every single one of them. Even if they come from abuse. Yes. Even if they come from abuse. And the thing is the parents love the kids. They mm-hmm. do, but there's something going in on in their life that's causing them to be dysfunctional. And frankly, I've heard a lot of their backgrounds and stories, and I think that could have been me. Don't for a minute mm-hmm. anybody think, oh, that's, you know, I can't even relate to that. You know what? If you had had maybe a background like they had, you know, it could be you. It could be you. It's even like that in private infant adoption, really reaching out to the birth mother, really opening up and and adopting everyone and and having an open heart. Now, it doesn't always work like that. And, you know, these are just these instances. Of course, there's always a caveat for another part of the story. But, you know, I go into it differently than I started. And I always talk about that. I mean, when I first started, I'm like, yeah, I love the birth mom. But I had no idea what it was like to really love a birth mom until I met Lily's mother. And the same thing happened to me when I met her and I heard her story. I felt really close to that story that could have been my story just a couple bad mistakes yes I could have been in that same place and I got compassion and God and the Holy Spirit really broke me and I really deeply loved her and when we went to the hospital I spoke for her I stood up for her I made sure she got medical care no one had ever done that her mother had never stood up for her right that changed her and changed me mm-hmm. and then I was able to do it with my two younger girls birth mother and I remember fighting with that doctor and telling him you will give her care I don't care if this is Medicaid you will give her proper care again no one had ever stood up these women have been abused there's abuse in their life that's why their kids are in the situations that they're in that's why they're choosing adoption this isn't just a perfect story most of the time exactly it's years of abuse on all sides and so coming into that and getting prepared for that is really really important what are the top three things you say to a family um first of all uh well it's what we've just been talking about just having that heart for the bio parent and i like how you put it you said you're stepping into a family you're not just doing foster care because you have a heart for kids you're stepping into a family unit and they all need to be loved. 
Um, Second, you have to throw out all your traditional parenting strategies. I cannot reiterate this enough and educate yourself about how trauma impacts a child's brain and development. Um, And you need support. You have to be around other foster Mm -hmm. families. You just do. You just need to bounce things off of them and have that understanding. It is so important to find a community where you can plug in and be around other foster families. And then thirdly, um, you, you have to have thick skin. You have mm. to know that everything is about the kid. It's not about, oh, I hope I get a baby. Oh, I hope I get to keep this baby longer because it's so cute. It's, it is literally not about you at all. That's really hard in adoption when you want to grow your family. I really encourage families um, to go through foster adopt at certain agencies because they know those children are about to become adoptable. And so they're kind of in their last legs of um, what they have to go through in the system. And so that agency can help you adopt. Or I, I tell people, if you really want to grow your family, do private infant adoption. I know it's expensive, but you have a better idea of what you want when, you're, when we're talking about expanding your family. We did it as well. We started with private infant adoption. It was too expensive for the second time. We went into foster care and we didn't get to keep that baby. And it was very difficult for us, but it was more difficult to explain it to our son. He's your brother. No, he's not. And so we decided to jump back into it and we started doing fundraising to do private infant adoption. But if you have a heart for foster care and for reunification and for serving in that way, you can get a hold of Heather. Tell us a little bit about your group. Okay, so at Cherry Hills Community Church, we have a community of foster and adoptive parents and we just do life together. Uh, we have events out in the community. We just rented out Spider Monkey, for example, and invited the whole community. We just want to get to know you, support you, and be friends with you, basically. So if you go to chcc.org and um, go to the Help Me Grow link, you will find information about our community called Friends of Adoptive and Foster Families. Or you can email me directly at hclark at chcc.org. And I will respond to you. I want to hear from you. I want to get to know you. If you did not get that, you can always email me at april at adoption-now.com. Heather, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook. And remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Adoption Now. If you'd like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com. You can also find them on Facebook or Instagram. Join us next week as we bring you another adoption story.